It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What up, world? Sir, Blazer beat writer and past first point guard Mike Richmond. You're listening to Lockdown Blazers. This was supposed to be a podcast about the Blazers clinching the playoffs or closing out a homestand 4 0 or winning seven of their last eight games. This was supposed to be a podcast about a lot of different things, but three minutes into double overtime tonight against the Brooklyn Nets in the Moda Center, Yusuf Nurkic came down on his left leg and suffered a gruesome leg injury that silenced the arena and the city, I'm sure, at large, and and Blazer fans and NBA fans around the world. It was uh, as devastating an injury as you'll see, um, not just because of what it all entails, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the program, but just because of how how tough it was, how gruesome it was in the moment um, to see A guy laying there with a very clearly, I don't want to speculate too far, but a broken leg. Um, I was in the arena when Greg Oden fractured his patella tendon and basically injured his career. And I was uh, also in the arena when Wesley Matthews popped his Achilles and his season ended. This this one felt like those. Um, Odin's injury was a little bit different because you knew at the time that his career was over. But much kind of like that Wesley Matthews injury in March of 2015... This is, Yusuf's injury creates just a, just a massive what if. Uh, not only what if the game had gone differently and there hadn't been two overtimes, what if he hadn't gone for the offensive rebound, what if, you know, all those sort of obvious things, but, but what ifs into the future, inevitably, what could this team have become 
how good could this Blazer team have been? Um, obviously, right now, as I come recording this podcast on uh, the late the late hours of Monday night, we don't even have an update on what the injury exactly is. We don't have specific terms on that. The Blazers didn't even send out an injury report. Usually in those situations, they would say, left leg injury, not going to return. But it was so obvious inside the arena at that moment that the PR team didn't need to send out any notifications to the press or whomever. Um, you know, it, Yusuf stayed on the floor. He rolled over quickly. And I, I didn't realize in that exact moment when I was looking down at him that he was hurt right away. That that was not what the first thing I noticed. When I looked down at him, uh, I kind of thought he got hit in the face. I thought he got I thought he got clunked in the head, as um, as happens to him fairly often, because he he's a big dude and he sticks his he sticks his nose in there. Um, and then I thought it was the Nets were complaining about a bad foul call. Uh, Joe Harris and Jared Dudley both kind of like put their jerseys up over their nose and started. Uh, running back towards the the bench, the Nets bench on the the opposite end of the floor in the way that you would if you were protesting a terrible call. The way you would, you'd say, oh no, I can't believe it. Um, And then I noticed that Nurk's leg was just in the wrong direction. Um, And it was... I think everyone in the moment, in sort of the time that it took me to process what was wrong, 20,000 other people in the arena also processed what was wrong. Um... I don't think the Blazers bench noticed right away that he was hurt because it wasn't like uh, the Blazers medical staff, they didn't leap up off the bench and come get him. Like it was like one of those things where it took a half a beat for everyone to realize what was wrong when they did. It became clear that it wasn't just, you know, a bad, a, a bad injury, that this was truly, truly a, a really awful thing to, to happen to anyone. Um particularly a 24-year-old playing the best basketball of his career. It's um, it's it's devastating. Uh, I think Terry Stotts said it best. He, um, he came out of the locker room where the Blazers held a sort of a moment of silence, allowing each t- team member to, uh, to just sort of quietly pray to themselves out of respect for the various belief systems in the locker room. Uh, there, there wasn't like a, an organized prayer, but it was sort of just a moment of silence. So each each player could say their uh, could could kind of say what they're going to say quietly to themselves, and and that was it. Then then Stotts came out and addressed the media. He was very somber and very very brief. He, he said that Yusuf Nurkic was already at a local hospital. Uh, this was probably within ten minutes of the game ending, maybe about forty actual minutes after Nurk had gotten hurt. And that that he was devastated, and uh, that that the sort of I think what the hard thing about this uh, injuries like this in sports is that you the time that you need to process things like this is not afforded to you. Um, when I walked into the locker room, a couple things stood out to me after the game. One was that Nurk's clothes were still there. Uh, his, his his pants and his shirt were still hanging in the locker room. The shoes he brought, um, a fresh pair of size 18s, I guess, that he, a uh, new pair of Nikes were sitting in a box in his locker. Um, and the other thing that I noticed was that it said 1045, team sweats, seated on the plane. The Blazers are going to fly to Chicago tomorrow. 
Nurk's not going to come with him. Neither is CJ McCollum, who they announced before the game won't travel on this trip. And now his injury and a left knee strain seems so minor in the grand scheme of what happened to Yusuf Nurkic. But like I said, I think what you, you sort of notice with these with sports injuries or what, what sticks out to me with these things is that like the necessary time that you would need to grieve um, in, a, in normal life when you, when you see a friend get really hurt or something bad happen to, to someone, you don't get in sports. That's why I think that moment of silence was smart for the Blazers to give everybody a little bit of time to process because once you, once you kind of stop competing from a game like this, which was, quite frankly, a really, a really good game up until that moment, you know, it was kind of chaotic and, 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 um, and back and forth. And it was a ton of, you know, high scoring and entertaining. But, and then, you know, the Blazers came and closed it out. When Nurk got hurt, uh, the Nets got to choose who shoots a free throw. Anthony Simons came in and knocked down two big free throws. Uh, you know, these kind of details get lost in the game because they don't really matter in the end. I think the Blazers are probably happy that they won, but nobody in that locker room was talking about how they win. And, and, and that's the, like I keep saying, the bizarre part about sports is you don't, you are not afforded time to process things. You are not afforded the sort of, uh, what you would need as a human moments to process those things. And by the time the media comes in and starts asking you what's going on, you're processing it in real time. So that's why in the second segment, I'm going to play some audio from the Blazers' locker room and a little bit from the Nets' locker room of NBA players processing a gruesome injury they saw right in front of them. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games four, five, and six in the NBA finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Before we get to that audio, though, uh, while I was recording this, the Blazers sent out a, an injury update, the specifics on, which I said that they hadn't as of... Uh, if you know if you were listening four minutes ago, but they have since then. Uh, the official diagnosis or the official injury is a uh, compound fracture of his of his left tibia and his left fibula, and he there is no timetable for his return to basketball activities. So um, I don't think the Blazers are saying it, but this one is a season-ending injury for Yusuf Nurkic. I think we all knew that when we saw it, but now it's official as of 12, 19 a.m. on a Tuesday after the game ended. But um, like I said, I want to get to some audio because I think the best way to sort of understand, I was trying to put into context in that first segment, what it's like in the arena uh, to sort of, as a reporter, to see these things and, and then, then have to to uh, talk to the players about it. But I, I think the best way to understand um, 
what it's actually like in, a, in an NBA locker room after something like this is to hear from the players themselves. So uh, I'm going to first play uh, the uh, audio from Ennis Cantor's uh, interview with the media. So here it is. It's tough, man. I mean, uh, seeing one of your brothers going the goes, goes down like that, I mean, just, uh, I just don't know what to say. Uh, but tonight I'm just going to go home and just pray for him, man, because this is way bigger than basketball, you know. I just need to, uh, I mean, we clinched the playoff, but we, we, we cannot even uh, celebrate it, you know, because, uh, I mean, he was a big part of our uh, family, not our team, our family. And uh, um, I just don't know what to say, man. It was, It's definitely tough. But I know that his, with his mentality, he's definitely going to come back uh, stronger. What was the conversation like in here after the game? Nobody couldn't really say anything. We just had a moment of silence. Uh, everybody everybody uh, prayed for him. And uh, that's it. We couldn't really say, say anything. So that was Ennis Cantor from the locker room shortly after the game. Uh, the next clip I want to play is Damian Lillard talking about Yusuf Nurkic. And um, Dame was really strong on this. This is um, I, I just want to play this audio just in its raw form uh, because you really... You get a sense for what kind of guy Dame is, for his relationship with Yusuf Nurkic, and uh, what it's, you kind of can, can, if you listen, you can listen to what it's like for a team leader and a guy like Dame to have to put his thoughts in a devastating night into perspective and organize his thoughts really on the fly in front of a group of people who, who are you know, surrounding him and pressing him for what he feels like. So here's that audio from Damian Lillard right after the game. Um, it's tough, man. I, you know, I just felt bad for him. Um, Nurk is uh, such a great dude, you know. You hate to see him have to go through something like that, you know, having his best season in the NBA. You know, we're going down that um, crucial stretch in the season, trying to, you know, obviously secure our playoff spot. Uh, find our position, and, um, and then have a you know a postseason. So you know, having seeing something like that happen to him personally is you know you never want to see that for your friend or your teammate. Um, and then especially you know as a as a player, you don't want to see him have to go through that. And you know it's also going to be hard on our team. You know CJ's already out now, him having a, a tough injury. Um, so every way you look at it, is you know it was a blow, and um, you know, it felt like it after the game. In the moment when you see the injury and you kind of see the aftermath, what are you thinking about? What's going through your mind? And- it made me sick to my stomach. Um, you know, I just saw, I, I think uh, you know, he tried to tip it in, he crashed the glass, and I saw him hit the ground and he, uh, you know, he rolled over real quick. And I thought, you know, maybe he got hit in the face or something again. And um, as I was walking over there, to, I saw everybody else turn around real quick and walk away. And then I looked. And I saw his uh, his leg, and uh, I was just like, I just hate to see that happen to him. And I was there. I was playing in the game in Vegas when the same similar thing happened to Paul George, and that's, that's what looked, it looked exactly what it looked like to me when I saw it. And I was just like, you know, it's unfortunate. Man. You never want to see that to anybody, let alone your friend or teammate. How hard is it to kind of get back in compete mode after that? Um, honestly, I think it's natural for us to. After something like that, you say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna finish the job and get it done." Because um, first of all, he wouldn't want us to, you know, just say, "All right, let's feel feel sorry for ourselves and 
feel sorry for Nurk and just, you know, not care as much. Um, so we're going we're gonna to finish the job and try to get the game done. Um, but I think, you know, after the game, you know, the, that's when it kicks in. Uh, I don't know what else to say. It must have been surreal on a night to, to punch a playoff berth afterwards. You guys are sitting here in a moment of silence. It was. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know what else to say about it. It was um, beyond bittersweet. You know, I messed up my night. So my week, month, whatever you want to call it, man. Is it a reminder of how fleeting and how fragile this whole thing is? Yeah, it's all fragile. Yeah. Um, everything about it is, you know, um, other than the friendships uh, that you have, you know, after, you know, because we're all the same team, different team. During career, post-career, you know, you're going to be friends with guys, but um, every little thing about the game and about the NBA season and the NBA career, you know, it's fragile. Be on the team the next one day, go on the next. You can be healthy one day, injured the next. Um, have a job one day, fired the next. You know, it's a lot of, lot of things about the game that's, that's fragile, and that's one of them, and that's one of the more unfortunate ones. What do you think it's going to take for you guys to our team. Um, I mean, I think our our emotions will be the same um, as far as us feeling for Nurk, you know, and, um, just feeling bad for something like that to happen. We don't want to see that happen you know, to one of our guys. You know, it's just tough. But as far as on the floor, like I like I said about tonight, we just gotta we gotta move forward and continue to try to get the job done. And, uh, I think that's all we can do at this point. You know, we don't have time to feel bad for ourselves and stuff like that. We got to get tougher. How would you describe your personal relationship with Nurk? It seems like you really looks up to him. Nah, that's my um, little big brother. You know, I, um, we talk every day. You know, we text, we FaceTime. I can I can get on him in a way that I probably can't get on nobody else because of our relationship, and uh, it's just I hate to see that happen. And um, the other day after practice, Nurk just came to my house to see my son. You know what I'm saying? Just like no reason at all. He just you at home. He want to come to he want to come by and just see the baby. So I mean I think that says what our relationship is. Um, Came to my came to a one year old birthday party. You know what I'm saying? It's, hate to see that happen, man. Unfortunately. So that's Damian Lillard right after the game in the post game locker room. I thought that was uh, as strong and as eloquent uh, an explanation of his feelings and his relationship with Nurk as you could possibly be expected. Um, I may not have praised Dame as a as an interview and then and, and someone to work with on this podcast before, but um, I have a ton of respect for him just from a professional setting, but more than that, or just in our professional relationship, I have a ton of respect for him because he, he answers questions for after every game, win or lose, he doesn't duck out on things and all those things. But uh, I think in that interview, you get a lot of respect from him just as a dude, just as like a, as, as a friend, um, he just, uh, you know, he, he just, he really gets it. He gets it in, in, in a way that's really impressive. And uh, I think tonight, uh, under the worst type of circumstances, 
Dame getting it was really uh, underscored. Uh, when we get back for the third segment, I want to talk about what's next for the Blazers. Like I mentioned, they're going to get on a plane tomorrow morning. They're going to play more games. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what they're going to look like, what it means, uh, and all those things. I don't want to talk too much basketball tonight. I'm just not in the mood for it. Um, there's plenty more podcasts coming later this week, so we'll talk hoops X's and O's and all those things, but uh, in the third segment, I'll just briefly go over what I think the Blazers are going to look like in the uh, without Yusuf Nurkic available to them for the remainder of the season into the playoffs. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Before we get there, though, I want to remind you, as always, that you can play Lockdown Blazers in your car. Just when you hop into your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. Uh, it'll improve your commute and improve your day. And uh, it'll be it'll just make your ride a little bit better. Get your Blazers fix in the morning. Get your NBA info on your commute to work or taking your kids to school. So yeah, hop in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast, Lockdown Blazers. All right, welcome back. Still Mike Richmond, still Lockdown Blazers. So the the fallout of Yusuf Nurkic's injury is a lot of different things. Um, you know, he was he was having the best year of his career. He was averaging a career-high 15.6 points, a career-high 10.4 rebounds, a career-high 3.2 assists, a career-high 1 steal. He was shooting a career-best 50%, 51% basically from the field, and 77% from the foul line. Tonight, in this game, he had a season-high. I've been saying it on this podcast all year long. He's the Blazers' second best player. I don't even really think that's debatable. You know, he had 32 and 16 in this game and five dimes, blocked four shots. It's a big guy to replace, not just because he's a giant person, but because he's one of the best young centers in the league. In a league full of them. He's one he's right up there. Uh there was a if this if this game had ended on a happier note, one of the things I was gonna uh, talk about was uh, a sort of the idea that instead of most improved player, there maybe should be like an all improved team, and that way we could get D'Angelo Russell on there, and we could get Yusuf Nurkic on that team, and uh, maybe even Paul George for how much he's he's taken a step forward, De'Aaron Fox on that type of team. Yusuf is one of the guys who's really taken a leap forward. And now without him, uh, I think the obvious thing the Blazers are going to do is they're going to start Ennis Cantor at center. 
I think we're going to see some Myers Leonard back playing back up center. We're going to see more of smaller lineups where Zach Collins plays some center. And uh, I think in certain circumstances, and I don't think we're going to see a ton of this, but I think in certain circumstances they're going to play Alfaruk Aminu at center with Mo Harkless and, and Rodney Hood and just have a bunch of guys who are six foot nine and, and kind of try to spread teams out. Um, the, the, I mean, the, the, I don't need to, I don't need to explain it to you guys too much. Um, it's a big loss. They don't have a defender like him. They don't have a screen setter like him. They, Yusuf Nurkic was the key to the Blazers making a playoff run. And everything had sort of set up for them to be in a special position this year. The way they've been playing down the stretch, the way he's been playing down the stretch. Um, the way they had sort of survived their first big injury scare. With uh, what looked like a serious knee injury to CJ McCollum turned out to be maybe one that he can return from. And instead we get this somber podcast, we get this somber night. We get a, you know, March 25th, 2019 is a, is, is a day I'll probably remember for a long time uh, watching someone get carted off in an air cast and clearly rushed to an area hospital. Um, the scene that really, that really sticks with me from this game is uh, I hadn't seen CJ McCollum in the arena like since he's been hurt. Saw him the day he spoke to the media when he got hurt, but I hadn't seen him since then. I'm sure he's in the back hanging out, but he's not there when uh, when the media's let in, and uh, I hadn't really seen him on the bench. Maybe he's sitting back there somewhere. I just I just don't have a good angle at him. But I, but the the first time I really saw him since he's been hurt is he was coming out to give to put a towel over Yusuf Nurkic's head, and um, that image will really stay with me. It's. Uh, it was a really somber way for the 2018-19 Blazers season to kind of have its have its signature moment, and you know that you thought there was going to be other another a lot of other signature moments, a lot of other things that stand out, but there's this will be what um, this season is remembered for is for Yusuf Nurkic playing his tail off and. Then ending up his season lying on the court in a ton of pain as a sold out crowd just got was gutted, you know, it was just uh, a devastating night. That's probably going to do it for me. Uh, I know this was a somber, kind of a depressing podcast, depressing episode. Um, it was that kind of night, an unfortunate one for. Anyone who likes basketball, it was unfortunate for anyone who can, who just understands what a, an injury like that means to a person. Uh, we'll probably know more. I mean, I don't know if we'll get, get much of a medical update from, from Yusuf Nurkic, but we'll know more about uh, what the Blazers are going to do in, in the rest of the regular season. Um, I'm sure later podcasts this week we'll talk about what it means for the playoffs and all those. But tonight I just wanted to sort of do my best to bring you inside the arena, tell you what it's like uh, to be, or show you what it's like to be in the arena and let you listen to uh, some, some of those moments from the locker room and, 
and then get a taste for it. So appreciate you guys listening. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Mike G. Rich. You can find this podcast on the Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Like I always tell you, tell your smart device in the car, play podcast Lockdown Blazers, and I'll talk to you guys real soon. Appreciate you listening. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 